Good morning. This is the Daily Wrestling News for December 1st, 2020. I am coming to you live from the Minutes to Bell Time studios on the beautiful treasure coast of the Sunshine State. My name is Ryan Joy, and I am joined today by my, my guest. He is a lifelong fan of pro wrestling, board games, and everything fun. He can be found sitting front row at a lot of pre-pandemic dynamites wearing a pink MJF shirt and a Burberry scarf. He is named AEW enthusiast with a preference for the bad guys. He comes to us from Rochester, New York, by way of Hartford, New York, where we were both born and raised, both locations extremely far away from North Carolina. He is my cousin, Travis Severance. Good morning, Travis. Welcome to the Bailey Wrestling News Show. Good morning, Ryan. It's great to be here and to be able to talk to such a live, captivating audience in this, this pandemic era. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to, to talk some wrestling. Yeah, well, today we have uh, we have. Let me, let me hit you with today's lineup. We have what I'm calling the Rapid Raw review. We are going to spend the majority of the show uh, doing a deep dive on AEW's Dynamite's Winter Is Coming show this Wednesday. We've got a little bit of news. We're going to do some morning show trivia. So I hope you're ready for that. Hope you've studied trivia. Oof. I'm going to take it a long time. Don't worry. There is a there is a theme to every trivia session, and for for yours today. Um, well, I'll let you know what it is later, but I think you have an advantage. So okay. uh, once that's done, we'll pay the bills and we'll get out of here and what we're, we'll try to do in about 30 minutes. Um, Travis, I have one question for you. It is a morning show. Do you have your tools for success, by which I mean plenty of caffeine? Always. All right. He is ready to go. It's a given. Let me ring the bell and we'll get ready with that rapid raw review. Okay, so last night on Monday Night Raw, Randy Orton came out for a moment of bliss and learned that The Fiend's weakness is, in fact, Alexa Bliss. We move from there into Jeff Hardy defeating Elias in a Symphony of Destruction match in 12 and a half minutes. Uh, Travis, did you see Jeff Hardy hit his head on the steps after doing that swanton bomb at the end of the match? It was an interesting spot. I don't know if that was planned or not. Like Jeff doesn't need any more headshots, really, and neither does Elias. Uh, it, I was, I mean, I, I stopped, I rewatched, it was, it was kind of a nasty spot. I, I mean, if you didn't see it, Jeff Hardy sat up a table in the corner, Elias, he's put Elias on a table, piled it up with a bunch of mandolins and other devices. And then he climbed to the top turnbuckle, did a swanton off. But when he landed, his head hit the back of the stairs, looked nasty. I think he's probably just jealous of how hard his brother had previously hit his head. And he just really wanted to kind of follow in that family tradition of concussing themselves on live TV. Well, uh, I, I would have to assume mission, mission accomplished. That was nasty. Uh, so Slapjack got a big win over Ricochet in three and a half minutes. Sheamus was on Miz TV and Miz was in the business of selling distension between Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Lana and Asuka got another win over Nia and Shayna in 9 minutes and 17 seconds. Cedric Alexander got a win over Xavier Woods and left before he could celebrate with the Hurt Business, so that seems weird. That was 5 minutes and 24 seconds. AJ Styles defeated Keith Lee and Matt Riddle to earn a title shot against McIntyre at TLC, 12 minutes 57 seconds. Dana Brooke beat Reckoning in a match that knocked Reckoning's mask off. 
To the shock of absolutely nobody, Reckoning is, in fact, Mia Yim. Ali gave Mia Yim a hard time after the match. Travis, did you see that coming? We've unmasked Mia Yim already. I, I can't believe we figured out who she was. This is a big surprise. I hadn't seen her on NXT programming and didn't know where she was. So, yeah, I uh, Reckoning. I think they need a reckoning, really. Um, I don't think anybody's surprised. I don't think we're going to be surprised when Dijakovic comes out and Slap Nuts or whatever these guys' names are. Chainsaw Charlie and the rest <laughs> of the gang just shows up and gets unmasked. Like, if this is the run for it, it seems like it's going to be a lot like Raw Underground. You know, I think now, I hope now that the mask was, it was obviously knocked off accidentally or maybe Mia Yim kind of, you know. Had had enough had enough of it and kind of broke it beforehand or whatever. But I hope now that the unmasking has happened, there's really no reason to keep the mask on. I mean, we, we've all seen who it is. It fits in with the underlying storyline plot of these people couldn't get their opportunity or whatever. So just let's drop the, drop the charade and leave the mask off. I would agree in the case of Mia Yim not getting an opportunity. I think there were a couple of times when she got some opportunities to push and then like, you know, her opponents got hurt or whatever the case may be. So the storyline kind of ended. Um, she was somebody that I got to see in Buffalo in a dark, at a dark NXT show. I th thought she was impressive. I thought she has good talent. Um, she's interesting. She's definitely a different body type than what you see a lot of times too. So she's a little bit more power and I like that end of it. Um, so yeah, I, I, her being part of the faction fits. Um, but it's a bit, it feels a little bit like Anna Jay with um, Dark Order to a degree, mm -hmm. right? Like, are these factions diverse where they've got an equal number of male and female wrestlers? Or is it just kind of this angle so that they can have some some women as part of their faction? We'll see how it goes. Like, she hasn't had any reaction that I can remember with other female wrestlers as that character. So it's right. odd to me that I don't see her going through... Like she's always showed up with the rest of the guys and she's outside the ring and stuff. Sure. Why they haven't planted her in the middle of some of these other matches to kind of progress that story is curious to me, I guess. Well, hopefully this is the start. I mean, I think having Mia Yim on the Raw roster really helps, you know, because Asuka didn't really have any opponents lined up. Right. Only Jackson, Baszler are kind of busy with themselves. So this could be a good opportunity for, for Mia Yim to get right in that title picture. So we'll see. Um, AJ Styles agreed to help the Miz cash in on his money in the bank because it would be a lot easier to beat the Miz than it would be to beat McIntyre. That's fair. Keith Lee asked Sheamus if he would turn on Drew. Uh, it was none of Lee's business, according to Sheamus. And then in the final match, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus defeated Miz and Morrison via disqualification when AJ hit a phenomenal forearm. Miz did not cash in his briefcase. Sheamus did not turn on, turn on Drew. Uh, we move forward towards TLC where AJ will face Drew McIntyre as long as the Miz doesn't get his cash in before then. Yeah, I mean, TLC isn't like TLC. The first couple of TLCs were great. The fact that it's an annual thing and we know that it's coming and stuff like that. I mean, there's there's only so many ways that Kofi Kingston can jump off of a ladder and stuff like that. I, I, it's it's hopefully it's interesting. Um, I'm hopeful uh, McIntyre, AJ Styles in a TLC match doesn't do much for me. Um, Styles being the next person kind of on McIntyre's list, you know, it's kind of like they're going through the menu of top superstars for him. He, he doesn't do a lot for me. I I'm not enthralled by Drew McIntyre. I don't think he's, he's overly interesting. Um, him and Sheamus kind of doing their thing together is, is neat. I mean, AJ Styles outside of Brian, Dan Daniel Bryan is probably still the best bell to bell wrestler on the show still at his age um 
I didn't realize that he was going to show up on Impact this week, but it was good to see last week that he was there with the Good Brothers and in his new form. Um, that was the, I would have to correct you. That was the Wee Nominal one. Oh, the Wee Nominal one. The Sorry. Nominal Sorry. One. Yeah, that's a different. That's a different thing. But um, I I guess this is just the next person in line, right? Um, I I'm glad that they're doing a program with with Randy and Bray again. I think the Randy and Bray program before was interesting. This is a a, a different angle. It's really neat to see him be able to switch from a super you know a fourth wall character with drew and being up you know upfront about real things in real life and then all of a sudden he's going back into more of a character role with the voices and stuff like that i thought that part of the show was was good so we can go back into supernatural and say that this is part of it and using that intro of his and stuff like that is a, is a neat way to do it we'll see how that turns out i like that they're not ignoring the history so yeah. often you see that where where these people have had a few a couple of years ago and they just kind of run it back. This time we're we're looking at it and we're saying, okay, that chapter happened, and now we have the fiend. The fiend's upset about that chapter and he doesn't forget. And we move. We move it's a story. lot. It's a lot better storytelling, right? I think. Yeah. I think if you're you're you, there's there's actual canon that's there. It's not like you said, you know, fifty fifty booking. And we'll see how this goes. I mean, it's. It's a neat angle. What's going to happen with Alexa and this whole thing? It it, it at least has me curious again. Um, sure. Which I like that. So that'll do it for the rapid raw review. Um, no 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 point in dwelling on that uh, any longer. We will dive forward. The reason Travis is here, I mentioned in his intro, an AEW enthusiast. We are going to take a a, a good hard look at winter is coming. Um, the current forecast for Wednesday, Wednesday is cold like December snow. Um, Travis, with the tagline, winter is coming, a lot of people are thinking that means somebody is coming. My question for you is, is it Jon Snow or Daenerys Targaryen? Because we know that is our signal. Boy, uh, I don't think it's Jon Snow or Daenerys Targaryen. That would be very interesting. I think the cons have enough money to bring in dragons. Um, it's, they've proven that time and time again, that money is no object for them. I don't know. We, we got, you know, Excalibur maybe as Varys, you know, bringing, bringing in some, some mystery and mystique. I, I would be interested to see if it's Jon Snow. I don't think it's Jon Snow. I don't think so either, but, uh, perhaps a cameo by, by Kit Harrington. We'll book. see. He could use it for sure. He's very busy with his new marriage and stuff, but yeah, he could be on there for sure. So, uh, but also, you know, joking aside, a lot of people are speculating that winter is coming does mean something is coming, whether that's a person or a faction or anything like that. Do you have any thoughts about what winter is coming might mean in the grander context of PW? So there's a couple of different ways that I took this. Um, obviously, the the AEW. Um, AEW, Tony Khan, the rest of the guys don't mind bringing in talent from other organizations. We've seen it a number of times with with Serena Deeb and, and, and Thunder Rosa coming in. We've seen a bunch of indie guys on their dark matches and then actually given contracts and things like that. So if they're talking about war, like the there could be a bigger meta plot. Maybe I'm going outside of the box a little bit on it. But if they decided they were going to work in and coexist with MLW, with ROH, with... Um, you know, NWA and things like that. It could be really interesting if they share talent on the shows. I think 
the timing on this is really challenging because of all the restrictions with COVID and things like that and moving talent around, changing from state to state. I think if everything was housed under the Florida roof, it would be super interesting. Um, so I think it's a little bit harder because you have a lot of people quarantining. Now, the faction that I think is coming, I didn't mention in that, um, I think we're going to see some new Japan talent coming coming to the AEW arena um, very soon. Um, it'd have to be, I guess, if you're thinking stateside New Japan talent. Nope. You think there's some uh, some talent making their way across the pond? So I, I I I do think so. I think I think the last match that we saw from Kenta was on mm-hmm. November 20th against David Finley. Yes. Um, and we haven't seen him on NW, in, on New Japan programming since then. He happens to hold the rights to the IWGP title. And on August 1st, John Moxley actually passed Kenny Omega's longest title reign as a champion for New Japan. So I think very much that that attack might have been our friend go to sleep. And I think that the faction that's coming is that. And I believe that Tony Khan's prediction that he's going to change the landscape, either intentionally or unintentionally, when they showed that attack was either the seed of it or he had posted excited like Tony can get and then didn't realize, Oh, wait a minute. We can't do this reveal for two weeks because he's got a quarantine for two weeks. So the timing on the calendar lines up in a way where that can be the case. So Kenny's obviously going cleaner. This is a bullet club member though. He wasn't bullet club member at the time when Kenny was doing his run. Um, So we'll, We'll see. That's that's my speculation based on the way that the stars have kind of aligned. We haven't seen Kenta since the David Finley match. He retained. We know he's got the briefcase there. Whether or not they decide to do that match on AEW TV, I think if you're going to see Moxley drop the title, it would be good to do it in such a big bombastic way where we have Kenta interfere for Kenny, and then they kind of roll it into that. Moxley doesn't have to do a, a doesn't have to do the regular job and. Kenny will take the dirty win if that's the persona that he's going in, and I think it lines up pretty well. Yes, that's a really interesting uh, a plot that I hadn't really thought too much into. But like when um, when New Japan went dark back in February, they said very specifically that all IWGP championships must be defended every six months, or else they will be stripped. Now Moxley has been stripped of that United States Championship before. They did say, New Japan said, they will they will take out all the time that they're not running, not count against the six months. I did the math at the time of them coming back. Moxley should have defended that belt by Thanksgiving. So the fact that they have not stripped him indicates to me that there might be a plan. Um, so what you're saying lines up. Also, the idea that Kenny Omega loses the, loses the world championship to uh, – I'm sorry, Moxley loses to Kenny Omega and then goes to New J- to Japan for Wrestle Kingdom is another option. But um, this idea of Kenta making his presence known and making a New Japan presence known, um, opening up the relationship there, that is very, very interesting. Um, New Japan CEO recently changed a couple of months ago. That was holding back the, the collaborate, collaborative efforts. Um, at least there was bad blood there before. So... Very interesting. The Very stars, interesting. I think, are aligning. I think Kenny can put some of the his bygones aside too to kind of make this thing happen. Obviously, the persona's been changing slowly but surely um, on this run, so I think it's 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 pretty good timing, and we'll see. Like that would certainly shake up the landscaping more than more than just an 
an idea that Shaq is coming. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And then, um, you know, along those same lines, they already have a working relationship with the NWA. Right. So maybe, there may be something there too with your with the uh, the war is coming type of mentality. I agree. I think it would be neat if you had a couple of different factions that came in from outside that are kind of attacking AEW, and and it would be really neat if it wasn't just, you know a face attacking a heel and vice versa. Like it sure. would be nice if there was a, it, in an invasion angle kind of lines up. I mean, we know that's Tony's Tony's wheelhouse of joy of wrestling was, you know, nineties era WCW stuff. Like, is this as interesting as who's the third man? No, but I think it'll be something that really wakes up the world, especially with how much new Japan has come into the light. Like back then, you know, Bischoff was taking people from New Japan and bringing them in the talent and the luchadors as well. And people had never seen him and getting that exposure. But the different level of the brand at this point makes it a lot more interesting. And it would put a ton of pr pressure on WWE, I think, and some of the other places because there's a lot of talent that's there. And then with them having the stateside presence, I think for New Japan, it allows them the opportunity to have some of the AEW wrestlers wrestle in New Japan stateside. Sure. And then help build that brand over here a little bit too. So it could be a really good collaboration if it works the way that it that it could. In terms of um, in ring work, nobody goes to New Japan and doesn't get better. So right. like, you know, if if uh, a Jurassic Express were to spend time over in New Japan, do a tour, whether it's tag league or something next year, that would really help them. Um, mm -hmm. Same sure. thing with. You know, if uh, Ricky Starks was in the Best of the Super Juniors tournament, if that goes back on schedule in February, some, you know, different guys like that. There's a lot mm -hmm. of places where I could fit and do really well. And the difference is, you know, before it always felt like one brand was giving more for the other brand. And I yeah. think both of them could really help each other out now based on what they have going on. Yeah, because you don't need to trade top guys. Nope. You don't, you don't need to have... Um, Moxley go well. Moxley is kind of a bad example, but uh, you, you know, if Kenny Omega is the champion, they don't need him necessarily wrestling uh, the IWGP champion Naito at Wrestle Kingdom. You can you can move down the card and still do some really compelling things. Mm -hmm. so, yep, yep, makes it a lot more interesting. It fills it fills the card out is what it does. So with that, we have now moved moved beyond the tagline for the event. We can actually start talking about the show itself, but. Uh, those are some really interesting um, speculations, predictions, hopes, um, fan hopes. A lot of hopes. <laughs> so, I mean, hopefully, we see some some portion of that. But we, but I want to begin our discussion on the on the card with the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal. Advertised for the for the match, we have uh, Reynolds, Silver, uh, Private Party, Matt Hardy, Scorpio Sky, Sean Spears, Orange Cassidy, Miro, Kip Sabian, Wardlow, Sammy Guevara. MJF, Hangman Page, and Matt Seidel. The one thing AEW does really well with their battle royals is that they typically have all sorts of storylines that are weaving in and storylines coming out. The, I don't know that this is the entire field. It's just what's on their graphics. So there could be some surprises um, in the battle royal as well. Do you have any early thoughts on who you think might walk away with the retirement ring? So when I looked at the graphic initially, I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be the launching platform for Miro, right? Like, mm -hmm. we haven't really seen him do anything. He was super exciting to come on. You know, they messed around with best friends a little bit, and that's still kind of going on. We saw a little bit of that last week. Um, and it just seemed obvious to me, oh, that's got to be it. As far as guys in the background maybe coming in, 
I don't know anybody that's out there that they're going to announce that's that's coming back in. I agree with you 100%. Each of the this isn't just a battle royale of a bunch of randoms. These are people that have had storylines with each other for the last couple yeah. of weeks and couple of months. So there's a reason why they're in there trying to eliminate each other. My thought though is this is MJF's ring. Yeah. And I think if they're going to go down a storyline route. So if we go back in history, the first battle royale winner was Adam Page. Sure. Who eliminated MGF to get his shot, and we got to see him fight live in Chicago against Jericho, and he lost the match for that. Now, Dynamite Diamond Dozen last year, the last. So keep in mind too, this isn't your typical battle royale. This is the battle royale where the two last people in the ring end up fighting for a match the following week, and that determines who's going to be able to have a shot at the title. Um, this specific one, the last. So last year it was. MJF and Page were the last two. MJF hid under the ring. Page thought he'd won. And MJF popped out, and then they had the match. And MJF obviously won. And this this is his diamond ring that he carries around. He's got victories based on it. Wardlow carries it around a lot. So the first thing I thought was, okay, maybe this is going to be Wardlow and MJF coming in hinged. But I think it's too early for that. I think we're they're building up the Wardlow-Hager match. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think this is – my thought is we're going to see Sammy – Sure. And MJF left sure. at the end. And I think Sammy's going to take the ring from MJF is what I think might happen. I think Paige, it's going to probably come down to Paige, Paige, Sammy, and MJF. And I think Paige and MJF are probably going to, or MJF and Sammy are probably going to eliminate Paige because it seems to follow that storyline. Now the downside to it is, you know, if we look at, you know, when Nyla Rose won, she lost her match to the championship. Archer won the last battle Royale against Kingston. So, yeah. so maybe we see Archer and Kingston added to this match to further f- that feud. Um, obviously Kingston or Archer lost to Moxley as well when he won the battle Royale. Um, but I think this could be a chance where we see MJF Sammy for a reason. And if this, if, if Sammy beats MJF and he's got, he's got MJF's ring that could start. sowing the dissension there. Well, it's interesting. Cause what I don't, what I don't know is, is this like a Super Bowl ring? In other, in other words, if MJF, if MJF doesn't win, doesn't necessarily need to give up his ring. It's just that uh, right. the next person might get it. Don't know, but it's, it's kind of a little bit weird if you're walking around with a ring that's not the current. Uh, right. So, so, yeah, I don't know if it's a fresh ring or not. And, like, I was confused the last time with, okay, wait a minute. We've got two Battle Royale winners. That's kind of weird. And then, you know, does he get the other ring? Is it a Super Bowl ring? Yeah, it was hard. I mean, the, you know, DDP did the ring presentation last time because it was a diamond ring and stuff. Yeah. As far as how they continue – it's interesting that they've decided to go forward with it and it's a thing that's going to be a thing. And like, I was just trying to find ways to make it so that the, that gimmick of the ring has some meaning and some value to it and like handing it to Miro with none of MJF in there. And I don't think Miro's going to feud with MJF. It doesn't make a ton of sense. So I'm trying to deconstruct the match in a way that looks like they're actually telling a story with it. You know? So the interesting thing with, uh, with Miro Miro, Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford, kind of a three-person unit. If Miro or Kip Sabian were to win the match, then two or three of them have diamond rings at this point, right? I mean, oh, sure. I guess that's fair. That is fair. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, all right. Oh, you know, maybe one of them presents the diamond ring to Penelope Ford. I've heard that rumor as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it could also be an opportunity to elevate somebody like John Silver, who has had some singles matches recently but hasn't come out on the winning side of them. Sean Spears already has a loaded glove. Not sure if he needs a ring as well, but he has hardly lost any matches this year. So right. that's kind of interesting. 
Um, but you're 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 right in saying like Guevara and MJF are in there. They've got issues. You've got Orange Cassidy who has had issues with Kip Sabian and Miro. Um, then you've got Matt Hardy, who's at least on the internet is a weird character these days. He's kind of turning heelish. He's always has a history with um, with Sammy. Adam Page is in there. Doesn't really have a current issue with anybody, but he did beat Reynolds last week. So yeah, he's got his Dark Order stuff that's kind of laying around in the background too. Yep. Yeah. So so kind of anybody's ball game. If I had to pick a, a winner out of the list, I kind of I, I like the Sammy Guevara thing, but at the same time, I feel like they're going to eliminate each other. Um, that could happen too. Yeah. I, it's it's hard. The first thing that I looked at and saw, I was like, oh, this is going to be Miro and Orange Cassidy. Yeah, we're going to see that match, and we're going to have Orange Cassidy work under. And then I'm like, uh, if they do that, they're kind of erasing the entire Diamond Ring run that's happened before. So I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting for sure. I I'm, I like that it's not just 15 randoms in the ring with no beef with each other. You know, I do I do think it should go to a heel because they'll be able uh, yeah. I mean, to actually use a gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. So, so flip a coin. Maybe it'll be a special uh, person unannounced. We'll see. Um, yeah, who knows? Brody will come back. Maybe <laughs> we'll see. You know, it, good point. He is very, very um, oddly missing. Yep. No references to him. Nothing. He's just not there. Uh, mm-hmm. Uno. Well, FTR could come out too. You know, there could yeah. be some some of that too. So there, there. You know, there's there's quiet guys in the background that are you know underexposed, which is a you know, I would have thought if uh, if Starks didn't have a match on this card, I think this would have been a really good gimmick for Starks. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, okay, moving moving uh, up the card, down the card, further along, Sideways. Frankie Kazarian and Chris Jericho. I'm not sure if this was just a way to get on the show or. Frankie so my was- notes are not sure where we're going here. Yeah. I was surprised that it was going to be Jericho. I realized that. I guess for the good of the faction or something. The only other thing I had on this one is maybe this sets up proud and powerful versus SCU. Like we haven't seen them do anything since the best friends angle. And that was a kind of a nice short story run. They haven't really been in the ring or done anything. Like maybe this is, you know, Frankie and, 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 and Daniel's setting up a match against them. I, I don't know. I just, I guess this is Jericho ratings bump. We need something in the middle of the yeah. show or something. I, I, and, and I'll be happy to be wrong, but I mean, I think that's, that's it's probably spot on. I, I don't think there's much more to, to go into on that. Yeah. Um, Darby Allen and Cody versus Will Hobbs and Ricky Starks, kind of a surprising angle with Taz, his son last week on the show, Thought it was really good. Taz kind of more of a formidable presence now that he's done this show. Um, but if Darby and Cody don't win and one of these other two guys gets the pin, who's getting a title shot? Because Cage Cage pinned Darby in the tag match, you know, last time. So Yeah, so this is weird, right? Are we run are we gonna run a three? Are we gonna do a trifecta here? Like is this match gonna be run back and we're gonna see who the better team is, even though I even though the, the composition of the team is different than the team that won last time, it it to me it's I find it interesting that with Cody defending week in and week out, we haven't seen t- Darby do a title defense yet. He's been crammed yeah. in these tag teams with Cody the entire time. So I'm not sure what's coming to that. Like with them bringing Hobbs into this faction, 
I think it's too early for the Starks cage split up. And I don't know where they go from there because both of them have been very vocal on the mic and heelish and stuff. I don't think that that faction implodes right now. It could happen. If it does, I'd probably see cage coming out of it as the superhero guy, but maybe not. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure how they're going to play this angle. Hook is interesting. Like, does Hook come down and interfere for Cody? And then is it another turn where yeah. it goes back to his dad? You know, the fact that they decided to bring him in was interesting to me. Um, I, 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 This one is hard to call. Like, I, I want to say maybe it's Darby and Cody with a Hook interference because then they can make it so that it's not a clean finish, but it's not a dirty finish necessarily for the faces. Um it's it is hard to it's it's hard to call this one and it it's it's interesting where it's going to go. I just thought I was going to see a tar a Darby title defense reign the way that we saw Cody where he was you know wrestling a bunch of guys, but maybe they don't feel like they have a bunch of them lined up. I mean I think there's interesting matches. There's Starks is obviously interesting to me. Matt Seidel is another one who I think would be an interesting match for for Darby Allen. You got Kip Sabian. I mean, you got a whole bunch of guys that are around that weight class that I think could put on some phenomenal matches. And you got them tied into this thing where the TNT title. Hasn't been defended on TNT since he won the TNT title. So (laughs) it's, it's a bit of a mess. I think. Honestly, Scorpio sky Reynolds are more, more silver. Matt Hardy, uh, you know? Yeah. There's a whole bunch of guys. Interesting opponents for Darby. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I don't see Darby and Cody winning this match, but I don't know how it gets all played out, but yeah. Uh, Britt Baker is is facing Layla Hirsch. Now, this seems like it might be a layup for Britt Baker, but um, Hirsch is getting another dynamite match. I know she's very well thought of. Um, it seems like this could start a another ascension for Britt Baker, maybe to fight Sheeta. But then again, Britt Baker has got some issues with Thunder Rosa at the moment. So, um, yeah. So I think I think we're probably going to see Thunder Rosa involved in some way in this match i agree with you i think i think Britt goes over here i like layla a lot i think layla brings a very different style of wrestling than what they have in the women's division she's like a smaller to me a a power wrestler a Shayna baszler style like a no nonsense kind of thing you know she's russian she's she's got a good base to her and stuff she's got great mat wrestling for for a young gal um so i think she's going to get some offense in but i do think ultimately Britt wins this and i think we're probably going to see Thunder Rosa and and something like that, or we'll see, you know, something else will happen during this match. But yeah, the build to Sheeta seems it, but uh, there's a lot of stuff going on with Sheeta too. So yeah. um, The interesting thing is this kind of lines up with some of the invasion type of stuff we were talking about, because Thunder Rosa is an NWA contracted wrestler. Britt Baker is an AEW contracted wrestler. So if they go that angle, they've already sowed some seeds type of thing to, to you know further that storyline so correct hopefully we get something like that yeah so, um okay so then the final match is kenny omega and john moxley for the world championship um we were there we saw sure. chris Jericho win the title we were there we saw john moxley win the title um i know you can't be in florida this week uh i will be there is this the crowning of kenny omega or I- or not. I th- I think so. I think I think John has had the title for a long time, and for even as a great character, this is a long time for a face to hold your title without a chase. I think um, the Kenny John story 
sort of kicked off AEW to a degree when he showed up at double or nothing. It was a big deal. Came through the crowd, flattened him on the poker chips and stuff. We got this huge build. Everybody was excited. And then Mersa. So then we got to see Paco Mega, which was a great match with a surprising finish. Sure. Um, And it feels like by and large outside of his tag team title run, which, you know, who knows if it was predicted or not. Um, Kenny's kind of taken a backseat a little bit in all this stuff. You know, is, is the other EVPs have kind of had gold around their waist. So I think this is the time to kind of bring him in. And if the, if the swerve in the angle and it's kicks off this war and it is, you know, Kenta with an interference and stuff like that, I think it really sets up, you know, the next, the next year of programming realistically, you know, if sure. we're going to say this is the start of, I think this is the start of season two of AEW. And I think the, so, the, all so the interesting thing, uh, John Moxley is currently 24 now. Um, that includes his New Japan victories early in the year. Uh, Kenny Omega, I believe, is, is 7-0 in AEW. Um, I think he has two victories in AAA, which probably makes him 9-0. So somebody is leaving with a loss on Wednesday night. It would be for – the, for the John Moxley character, I think it would be awesome for him to finish out the year with this, like, historic undefeated run. But – I just think it's time for Kenny Omega. I think that unfortunately the stars didn't align to get John that full 12 month uh, run. He's going to get 11 and 11 basically. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, You know, Kenny, Kenny went through the, you know, the, the, the tournament. Um, He's had a couple of matches since then. It's been interesting. Um, We've seen the persona change. He's definitely got away from good guy, Kenny Omega with the, you know, the gals with the eighties spandex and the, and the brooms and stuff. Um, I, I think this is the time to see it now, if it isn't, that's fine too. I mean, I was at the, at the match that they had in, in, in Maryland and it was crazy. I mean, you know, the, the amount of stuff that they each went through and the beating that they each took was, was pretty impressive. So Moxley has that, that win over Omega as well. Um, so I think it sets you up really nicely for, a third match for them mm-hmm. for a reason, you know, if it's the, if it's the, the title defense at, at the next pay-per-view or not, I think it gives you a nice, a nice way to run. And it gives John, a, a like, does John go away for a little while after this? Sure. We'll see. We know Kenny's got to go. He's, he's going to be defending in Mexico, what next week or so, or he's got the title defense for AAA coming up. So yeah. does he hold that with the other belt? I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting. I'm not sure what I, I, I'm not, I don't watch him in Mexico. I don't know if he's a face or a heel over there. Um, well, he's changed in AEW throughout the course of the year. So it's, like, sure. it's hard, it's hard it's to tell hard to what he, you're going to see from that character. Yeah. He will be defending against Laredo kid at triple mania 28. That's uh, December 12th. So, okay. So it's on the way. It's on the way. Yep. Um, it would be kind of weird for him to win this and lose that. AEW is really protective in that way, but yeah, but barring, barring something crazy going on, who knows? Maybe they've got some angle going on with AAA too, and somebody comes down, somebody goes sure. and messes with Kenny over there too. Uh, I don't the know. Two brothers have the uh, triple uh, AAA yep. tag on the same card that they're defending. So yep, yep. Um, well, we are in we are in overtime, so uh, we are going to go ahead and and skip the news portion of the show and go straight to trivia. But I think we've I think we've put a nice bow on winter is coming. There's should a lot be great. Of should be a great show. Should be yeah. a great show. Um, it, it'll be hard to be let down. So I'm excited for it. I'll be there. Yeah. 
Okay, so for trivia, first things first, let me explain the rules. You're gonna get five questions. A simple majority correct will get you a win. If you win, you get the Goldberg Oscar Award. If you lose, you get a Hawkins Award. If you get everything right, you have successfully executed a perfect plex. So are you sitting comfortable or are you ready? Yes. Let me play the intro. Uh, here we go. So your theme is dynamites you've been to. So okay. these are all going to be questions about AEW dynamites that you have attended live. Okay. So all elite wrestling's first dynamite broadcast was on October 2nd, 2019. You were there in Washington, DC. What two AEW wrestlers competed in the first ever dynamite match? Oh, that was Cody and Sammy. Cody opened up, uh, let me read your, uh, your statement. You are correct. Cody opened up the majority of his arsenal on Sammy, and finally, after Sammy crashed and burned on a shooting star press, Cody rolled up his opponent for the victory. As Sammy was congratulating Cody on a hard-fought victory, AEW champion Chris Jericho blindsided and distracted Cody with a vicious assault. Jericho powerbombed Cody onto two steel chairs outside the ring as Brandy watched on a jubilant, jubilant Jericho grabbed the microphone and taunted the fans. Poor Brandy took a suic uh, tope suicida from that's Cody right. that match, too. <laughs> In that outfit, that's hard to do. It's hard to yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, you are one for one. Going into the second question, uh, this might be a little harder. This duo made their AEW debut on the third episode of Dynamite from Philadelphia in a losing effort against Santana and Ortiz. You have multiple choice. Is it A, Reynolds and Silver, B, Uno and Grayson, C, Cody and Dustin, D, The Best Friends, or E, The Bushwhackers? I think it was Reynolds and Silver, right? Santana and Ortiz, two prominent members of AEW World Champion Chris Jericho's inner circle, were out to wrestle the team of John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Yep. Santana hit a diving back elbow on Silver and tagged Ortiz. They were running roughshod over Silver and Reynolds, quickly hit the street sweeper, flipping that breaker power round combination and won the match decisively. That's from AEW's recap. Yeah, I think the, the crowd was pretty hot for Silver and Reynolds, and I wasn't familiar with them at all. Um, I think they're semi-local to that area, or at least they'd seen some indie work from there. So the people in the stands, it, they were familiar with them, and I had no clue, and I thought the match was pretty good. Yep, yep. Reynolds, I mean, they've certainly um, taken off since there. I mean, Silver, pretty- sure. Reynolds seems to be Reynolds, and... I don't know. You got third. Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. So. There you go. There you go. <laughs> At the same Dynamite from Philadelphia, Chris Jericho defended the AEW World Championship against this man. Darby Allen. That's right. Yeah, Darby he got his hands tied and did the whole yeah. spot in the corner. It was insane. Yep. Yep. Jericho was in the Painmaker persona face paint. Uh, he won with the Lion Tamer. You are three for three, which already guarantees you the Goldberg Oscar Award. Let's see. Hopefully, you can get the perfect flex. Uh, MJF wrestled Cody at AEW Revolution, but on the January 1st Dynamite from Jacksonville, MJF named the stipulations that Cody had to adhere to in order for the match to take place. I'm going to give you the first two. You give me the third stipulation. First stipulation was Cody could not touch MJF before their Revolution match. Second stipulation, Cody had to wrestle and defeat Wardlow inside a steel cage. The final stipulation was 
10 lashes. Live on TNT. This is direct quote from MJF. Live on TNT in front of your family, friends, and God. You are going to get down on all four legs or all fours like the dog that you are. And I'm going to whip you, Cody, 10 glorious times. And Cody, as the leather of my belt repeatedly rips off your skin, each scar will be a reminder that I'm better than you. And you know it. <laughs> four for four. That was a good show. It was freezing that day in Jacksonville, actually. I ended up buying my my gray AEW zip-up hoodie that day. Um, it was front row there. Adam Page came out with the with the drink right in front of me, and him and I chatted for a brief second in between a commercial break. So it was, oh, awesome. it was a good show, yeah. Uh, Jacksonville, uh, unbelievable. Uh, people don't believe me when I tell you that. It can be cold in Jacksonville. I was that that breezeway there. area that blows, and I don't know what the yeah. setup is like now, but they had kind of the upper stage and stuff. It was a really interesting venue to watch the show from when they had it set up the way that it was before. So like where the back area of the show is now, those were bleachers back there, and they came out from the side area. Um, and we were in the front row of the bleachers. So it was like this elevated look. It almost felt like, you know, Hammerstein ballroom in ECW days where you could see down into the ring. It was really, it was a lot of fun, that show. Hopefully they, when they start touring again and they come back through Jacksonville, they set it up that way. Yeah. It's right now it's really set up in a, in a very easy way for them to maintain, I think. So. Yep. Makes sense. So at every AEW live event, the crowd sings Chris Jericho's theme music in unison. During the course, AEW lowers the volume inside the arena so that fans can take the lead. I'm going to give you the beginning of Chris Jericho's chorus to Judas. To win, you have to give me the ending. I'm not going to sing it because I value my listeners. Okay. So, <laughs> what have I become now that I've betrayed everyone I've ever loved? I push them all away. And I have been a slave to the Judas in my mind. I don't know the end of it. I'm trying to listen to the song in my head. I don't know. I've become, I've become, I've become. Yeah. Judas in, <laughs> Judas in my mind. <laughs> Is there something left for me to save in the wreckage of my Wreckage life? of my life. Yes. All right, I'll take four out of five. Four out of five is very I didn't know good. I was going to have to sing. I would have warmed up my lyrics. <laughs> so uh, for the victory, you get this. I'll take Bill Goldberg. Yeah, Bill Goldberg, a fine win. Um, very good. So with that, we are we are at the end of the, end of the show. Uh, longest show ever, 42 minutes. Went a little long, but that's okay. We've sufficiently covered Dynamite. Um, for this week, and I think we're ready to get out of here. Any parting words, Travis? Nope. MJF is better than you, and you know it, and he'll be on the show. I just don't know where. Very good. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, oh, sorry. I have a little bit of business to get, take care of before we leave. Um, Got to pay the bills. Um, real quick, uh, the Eastern Observer partnered with the Jamie Daniels Foundation to help end the battle of child substance abuse. Today's Giving Tuesday, where donors make a difference. It's not too late to make a gift and provide to those suffering from substance abuse disorder. For more information, log on to jamiedanielsfoundation.org. And then later tonight, join, join us for the Essential Wrestling Podcast starting at 6 p.m. I'll be on there as an analyst for New Japan, Major League Wrestling, Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling. 
Um, Al Carl, who was the host yesterday, he'll be he'll be the host of that show, and uh, you'll get that anywhere you're watching this show, pretty much. So uh, join us tonight for that extended look at the week's wrestling, and with that, we will sign off for the day. Thanks, everybody. Uh, have a good night, and talk to you tomorrow.